Hi, this is James Alvacher. Thank you for listening to Eric Cabral's Entrepreneur Circle. On this episode, I would listen to Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, and he's the one that really opened my eyes that what the talent that is all over this world that if it could be done on a computer or with a phone or over the internet, you can outsource it. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Circle, where we built a community that shares lessons learned throughout our journeys, celebrate wins, our eureka moments, and embrace the F word, meaning failure, which I've come to realize that failure is success in progress. I'm Eric Cabral, your host, a husband, a father of two brilliant girls, and I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur by my peers and mentors. My mission in life is to make the world a better place, one mic at a time. So I'm happy and humble to have you join in on that mission. And I hope that by the end of the show, we would have added value in your life. So if you're ready to jump into the circle, let's get to it. Hey, I'm so glad you're here because I don't often get the opportunity to share with you exactly what I do and what we do here at On Air Brands. So we help the folks in our community and our clients to launch a podcast and then produce them on a weekly basis. We also help to promote each episode with close to a dozen social media posts that consist of quote cards, sound bites, and video clips. And then we post them for you on your socials automatically. So if you're a business owner with a ton on your plate and a podcast just seems super overwhelming, I get it. We don't need one more thing to worry about. So let me and my team at On Air Brands do the heavy lifting each week so that you can focus on what you do best, which is to build your business, have more time to pour into your family and your community, or just plain chill and recharge. So feel free to email me at eric at On Air Brands so that we can book time together to chat about how we can align with your mission and how you can align with ours, which is to make the world better one mic at a time. Now back to the show. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of The Entrepreneur Circle. I'm your most happy and humbled host, Eric Cabral. As usual, I have somebody absolutely cool and amazing that's going to inspire not only me, but hopefully you uh, over the next 30 to 40 minutes. So welcome to the show, Brent Bowers. Hello. Sorry, I was trying to get the unmute button to work. My bad. So, <laughs> hey, man, it's, it happens. Tech tech stuff is always good and bad, as we spoke uh, before the cameras and the mics turned on. So, folks who don't know, Brent Bowers is a real estate investor. He's a coach. He's also the co-host of the Wholesaling Inc. podcast, which I highly recommend you go check out. He is passionate about helping and inspiring real estate investors to learn the ins and outs of purchasing and selling vacant land. Um, Brent was an army officer for over eight years of service. And um, I know him through many, many other sort of friends. And I consider brothers from other mothers, uh, you know, from, from the ADPI uh, podcast as well. Shout out to those guys. But yeah, brother, welcome to the show. And uh, let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, great to be on. I enjoyed our our chat for the past, you know, almost 21 minutes. And uh, we've, <laughs> I, I think you forgot to hit the record button. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, it's been <laughs> good getting to know you. 
<laughs> and we definitely have a lot of mutual friends and love being around other entrepreneurs, other people looking to become entrepreneurs and trying to figure out how to become entrepreneurs. So I'm here to share today how it happened for me, how it made me a happier person and also some yeah. of the struggles too. Absolutely, brother. Let's let's jump into that, starting with the eureka moment that caused a major pivot in your life or business. You know, I was always an entrepreneur from the time I was in middle school. I used to borrow the next door neighbors. Actually, it wasn't even next door neighbors, a block over. I used to borrow their, their push mower and mow someone else's yard. So they were like renting me out the mower. And I then be, I grew that into a business that was grossing about 150000 a year when I graduated high school. And then I got my real estate license in 2007. 2008 happened for me in real estate, kicked my butt. I threw in the towel. I quit. Um, I thought I, I thought I was gonna, you know, do something easier. So I joined the military. <laughs> a couple, you know, combat deployments later, one failed marriage because I was never home. So the eureka moment was when my first son was born with my, you know, beautiful new wife, and I realized I was just now tra I was training again for my third combat deployment. So mm. you don't just leave for nine months or a year. You have to train for almost a year before you leave. So you leave to go train and then come home for a little while and then leave again. So my eureka moment was I need to freaking get out of the military because I don't want history repeating itself. I don't want to lose another wife. And this time children are involved. So that was kind of my eureka moment that I told myself today I'm going to build a financial fortress around myself and my family that nothing will ever get through. So I started buying and selling vacant raw land. Wow. So vacant and raw land. Uh, what made you decide to go into that asset class versus, you know, um, doing what typically anyone who starts getting into investing or, you know, peeling the layers on the onion, you're like, I'm going to get into wholesaling properties with, you know, with housing on it and then eventually yeah. flipping houses uh, and then eventually multifamilies, you know, the natural trajectory. So this is a little bit off the script. So how did you find this was like a good vehicle for you? By a multitude of failures, an entire library of books and courses and seminars and tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt with credit cards to go to these seminars and coaches. So I started in 2007. I got my real estate license. I bought the first property that came through. Um, my sister agent was training me. She got a listing. I made an offer on it, bought that rental property. And that was in 2007 took that break from 2007 to 2013. And I had went to a bunch of courses before that 2007. Um, I let my real estate license go when I was deployed to Afghanistan the first time. 2013, I started educating again, bought the house next to the college because the army sent me to college to be an officer. And then I bought another rental property. And then I had something called tuition I had to pay because I went to a private school to be close to home. And I, I started wholesaling houses by going and door knocking the notice of, of Liz pendants or the notice of defaults. I would door knock these people. And the ones that didn't answer the door, I would leave a sticky note. And I did several wholesale deals to basically pay for classes, pay off debt for those rental properties that I, I still owned. Um, and then it's about time to move to Colorado Springs with my, my beautiful new wife. So I was kind of haphazardly wholesaling houses to pay down the debt that I accumulated for rentals in college. 
Um, and that was just like for the birds. Like that was not working for me very well. Um, it was a lot of work and I'm already working like 12 hours a day for the army. Plus I had a new baby at home, plus a new wife at home. And there was just, I was running out of the time mm-hmm. <laughs> in the day to do this. And, you know, ultimately I heard a podcast from a gentleman that was talking about flipping raw, vacant land, unimproved land overnight and doubling his money. And I was like, that sounds way too good to be true. I want some more of that. So I immediately took action and started mailing the tax delinquent list, the land that people were not paying their back taxes on. And I got some traction really quickly. Mm. Yeah. Those those micro successes along the way, uh, that's sort of an indicator that, oh man, this is working. This is gonna this this could work. Um, so so what were some of the steps that you were like I know there's a lot of risk involved as well. So like were you taking capital um from your own accounts or did you have some savings? How 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 did that work for those who were thinking about, you know, they hear a lot of no money, no money down, no yeah. get this, yeah. Yeah, I think no money down is like uh, bull crap. You know, that's there's no such thing as no money down. Um, have I done deals with no money out of my pocket? Yeah, but, you know, I had to educate myself. I had to send mailers out. I had to buy the list. You know, I don't understand the whole no money down. Um, so <laughs> there are ways. I did not have savings. I was actually um, still in debt at the time. Um, I had, you know, I owed Uncle American Express and Capital One. Um, So what I did was I got the tax delinquent list from the county treasurer. And I actually made a big mistake. I thought it was the tax delinquent list, but it turned out to be the tax lien list for the county. So they call it the county held tax lien list. What does that mean? It's basically the property was so inefficient, no one was paying the back taxes for it. Either this land is landlocked or not big enough to be buildable in El Paso County, Colorado, where I was at. It had to be 5,000 square foot or larger to build on it. Well, I'm like mailing stuff that's 3,500 square foot and 4,900 square foot. And I didn't know, but I just sent them a mailer. It was a very simple postcard and I can offer that to your audience. But uh, the postcard said, my name is Brent. I'd like to buy your land at 123 Main Street if it had an address. Most of them didn't even have an address. So in El Paso County, Colorado, if you're interested in an off-cash fair price offer, call me or text me. God bless you. And it's a handwritten postcard. Um, the audience, Your audience can get it at thelandsharks.com forward slash postcard. And my phone started ringing very quickly on 687 of those that I mailed out. You know, the first call was, uh, a retired CPA, and he said, hey, you know, I've owned this land for years. I traded it many years ago for some tax work. If you want it, it's yours for $285. And like my eyes popped out of my head. I was like, whoa, whoa, $285? Where's it at? And he, he told me where it was at. And I was like, okay, I'm not really familiar with the area. It's about 45 minutes from my house. So I said, hey, can I go out there on Saturday? So me, my newborn baby, Zechariah, and one of my army officer friends and my wife drove out there and looked at the land. And I'm just like, okay, what is the catch here? The land is beautiful. I get it. It's not buildable, but I had no clue what it's worth. I'm buying it for $285 and I was not going to spend that money. I was not going to risk diaper money for something that could just be worthless. And I'm, But it's like, you know, the devil and the angel. The devil's like, buy it. The angel's like, you know, you need to see what's going on with this. Um, And I knew they weren't making any more Colorado land that overlooked the National Forest. So I called the real estate office at the bottom of the hill. 
And I was like, hey, you know, what do you think this land's worth? What could I sell it for on the MLS? What's the 30-day blowout price? What's the get it done now price? Because I can't hold my money in this land. And I'm embarrassed to say this because this was 2016. I'm a second lieutenant in the army that's been in the military for about five and a half years. And $285 was a stretch for me at that time. So she goes, I don't know about the 30-day blowout price, but I see them sometimes sell for $10,000 on the MLS. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I thanked her for a time. I'm like telling my wife and Michael, my buddy from the army. And she calls me back and says, hey, Brant, what if I made an offer? I said, sure. What do you want to offer? She said, five grand. I was like, great. When you want to close? She said, Wednesday. I was like, okay, let's do it. So I called the seller, said, I'll pay you on Tuesday. So I paid him $285 on Tuesday, got a quit claim deed, which I don't recommend. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do any title search, which I don't recommend. You know, here's all the mistakes I made. And I've already owned like, I think seven doors at this time. So I was doing stupid mistakes because I was just so like, oh my God, I'm gonna turn $285 into five grand overnight. Let's do it. Well, five grand, got the five grand check on Wednesday, all worked out and I was addicted. I was hooked. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> That's amazing, man. I love how these opportunities come. And like you said, it was sort of, uh, you know, the angel and the devil on your shoulder, like, yeah, do it. And like, oh man, let's think about it. And there was the, you know, sort of, you had to find out for yourself, like what was the right move. And you did somewhat due diligence, <laughs> some things in there, like you said, um, quick claim, you know, don't do that, even though it worked in your favor here. So that was your first deal. It gave you a taste of, of investing in land, um, especially yeah. early as a, as a relatively early on, you you know you you had jumped in before the crazy crisis of you know the recession and what happened in real estate in 07, 08. Um, and then thankfully you came back because I know people that never did come back. And so what was it next? Did you now and was your wife also because we know that the CEOs of our households need to buy into whatever we're yeah. doing. Um, she was not was she convinced yet. too. Oh, she no, wasn't. Okay, yeah. So talk not. about that. I want. No. I'd love to hear that family dynamic of what was going on. Yeah. Well, she's like, all right, you're at enough. You're you're on to something else. You know, that's it. Like that's it. You know, as entrepreneurs, as visionaries, there's a shiny object every day, and there, that's nothing wrong with us. We just see opportunity in everything. It's where do we want to laser vision focus? I once heard someone said to an entrepreneur, "It's like, why can't you ever just focus on one thing?" And the entrepreneur said because you couldn't handle it. Because they're like, we're like, once we finally focus on something, there's no, like, it's like, we're like lasers cutting through steel. But uh, I think when my wife finally got on board was when I was at about, I think we we're about 900 a month coming in and monthly payments for land that I sell or finance. And I said, hey, you know, I'm paying my truck payment with this. We're paying our electric and our gas and our water at our house. I was like, I only have to do this a few more times to get to 4,500 a month because that's what our bills were that month. And she looked at me and said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do it. And when your wife or your spouse gets behind what you're doing, it's like rocket fuel because anything I've not, anything I, anytime I've not been successful in something during my marriage is when my wife didn't, didn't stand behind me or back me on it or agree with me on it. There's been times where she says, just do what you want. I know you're going to do it anyways, but I don't think it's a good idea. And those things have never worked out. So learn from me. Um, and it's just, 
I talked about the seller financing. I did a second deal like the same week. And this one was for $500. Again, not accessible, landlocked, surrounded by state land. I had to trespass to get to it. Well, I did it only once, took photos. <laughs> um, and I was risking it because I was an army officer. I didn't want to lose my sec secret clearance and all that. But, mm. you know, I took the photos, put it on Craigslist, explained, hey, you, this land is landlocked. You have to get an ingress, egress attorney, contact the title company, blah, blah, blah. Well, that next day, I listed on Saturday, basically, the, the Saturday after I got that $5,000 check, listed this property on Craigslist. Not even listed. I just put it on Craigslist. That Sunday, someone drove me $500 down, $500 to my house cash. I wrote him a contract for deed saying, if you pay $500 a month for this many months, again, I sold this one for $5,000 as well, the land will transfer over to you. And he bought it. He was so happy about it. But that, that's the one that changed my paradigm. It gave me a paradigm shift, you know, like Stephen Covey talks about. $500 a month coming in, this is my truck payment. And I slowly reached financial freedom because our payments were, our, our bills were covered every month. Mm, yeah, I love it, man. It's, it's so good. It's such a, it's such a great story to uncover and share with people that, um, you know, have hesitation, you know, they're, they're in their W2s or, or they're in a certain type of job. Maybe they're a solopreneur, um, knowing and hearing that real estate could be a vehicle for them. You know, there's many, many different types of real estate that you can get into, this is one that isn't, I think, from my little world, uh, spoken about enough. Uh, so I'm glad you're sharing these stories. So as you began to do this, did you at any point realize, okay, um, I, I want to do something bigger, I want to do something better, or I need support? Like, what did your support team look like? Who was your first hire? Yeah. How did you begin to build? Great question. So my first hire was actually a virtual assistant in India. Um, and she was helping me scrub these lists because remember I talked about the tax delinquent list. It would come to me in a, literally a faxed version of schedule numbers, another word for assessor's parcel numbers. And I would have to put this assessor's parcel number into the county assessor's website to see who owned the land and, oh, was it even land? Is it a house or single family residence or a mobile home? And then I'd have to scrub that. And then what's their mailing address? How many acres? So I hired a virtual assistant and I paid $5 an hour because I had no time to do this. Like I'm getting up at 4 a.m. I got to be on base by six and I'm getting home at seven. I'm exhausted and the baby's keeping up us up all night. So I hired a virtual assistant to start doing the monotonous tasks, the things I was not good at, the things I didn't like doing. And that was my first hire. My second hire was I started getting kind of like a little bit of a, a regimen. Like I was keep mailing, I would mail, and I was so up and down with my mailing. Some days I'd mail 600 letters, I'd wait a month or two to mail 6,000. And then I kept, I remember I, I talked about going to the field and training. No one would be there to take these phone calls. So I was pouring money down the drain. So I made this five grand on this first land deal, and then I paid off Capital One with that, and then I was making 500 a month. I was wasting that money by not answering these phone calls. So I hired an acquisition manager, someone to start taking the phone calls, someone to go and meet these people, someone to talk to them and someone to get them under contract and figure out what they're worth. And that was just constant. And her name is Jen. She's still with me today. Um, hired her in April, 2016. 
Um, she's actually just, uh, she's now a real estate investor herself. She's paid off her house. She's uh, started her own coaching course on sales because I am not a good salesperson. She is. So I do what I do best and I find other people to help me out with the rest. Yeah, I love that. The um, the clarity and the self-awareness is is critical knowing that, okay, I need support and I need it here because this is not where my strength is or also valuing your own time. You know, that's the the lesson I think that could be pulled from some of the story here is that, you know, you talked about hiring. Your first hire was getting someone to take all the administrative tasks off your plate because yeah. that is not the best and highest use of your time, right? <laughs> because you can go find more deals, make more money versus doing all this stuff, which was bogging you down. So, um, what what helped you with the clarity? Like, what were some of the exercises or were you always sort of self-aware that like, okay, this is my strength? Did you speak to a lot of people that were like, no, you're really good at this, Brent? You know, how did you find, <laughs> you know, your number two, I would call her to sort of fill in the gaps? So I think I see a book behind you. It's called A Four-Hour Workweek. I think that's the book. I must have listened to that book on Audible to and from work. You know, ev besides the whole Selling Eat podcast, I would listen to that. Um, I would listen to Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, and he's the one that really opened my eyes to what the talent that is all over this world. That if it could be done on a computer or with a phone or over the internet, you can outsource it. Now, I couldn't outsource my army job. Um, I probably would have been, I would have been put in Leavenworth for that but I could outsource and treat my land business like a business, you know, because here's the thing, you know, I would, I only had to do it once to figure it out. And sometimes it was a lot more than that, but I would kind of, um, I would record it with my phone or my computer or screencast-o-matic that is free for the first 15 recordings. So I would record the process and then I would type it out and then I would also verbally say it. So some people learn by seeing, some people learn by hearing, some people learn by reading, some people learn by smelling and touching, but, you know, so I was trying to hit all those at once and it really worked out well. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. It, any other books, you know, other than the four hour work week, uh, which is great. Uh, I love, I love Tim, um, that you would recommend to people that, you know, are trying to scale up or, you know, get the confidence to, to jump out of, you know, maybe their W2. Yeah, I'll tell you, scale up is dangerous without having implemented Profit First. And I read Profit First many years ago by Mike Michalowicz as a brand new business owner, and I wasn't quite ready for it. Um, so as a as a W-2 person, I would probably recommend, again, Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek, because you're, you've got a W-2 job. You probably have a family. You probably have, you know, to mow the grass. You know, here's an example. I love mowing my own grass. I have the lawnmower, the weed eater, all that stuff. But it takes me like an hour and a half on a Saturday. Well, I found a guy that does it for 200 a month. And I got roughly, uh, what is that? Hour and a half on each Saturday, four times a month. So that's, that's like, what, six hours a month. Did I do that math right? Yeah, six hours a month back. And it only cost me $200. I make more than that. I make more than that per hour. Um, so little things like that. So if you're in your W-2 job, read the four-hour work week. 
if you're looking to scale up, you're already a business owner, implement profit first. You might have already read it and it might not have, you know, resonated, but I'm telling you, after a couple of years in business, as our income increases, our expenses increase as well. And sometimes that income goes down and it comes back up and it goes back down, but those expenses never go down. They're like fixed. So true. It's good stuff. I um I want to jump into our sort of penultimate section and segment of the show where we embrace the F word, meaning failure. So any stories that you can share that um, other people don't have to fall on their face because you did it for them, <laughs> we'd be appreciated. Yeah, there's so many. And it's just like, you know, I failed so many times. I bought land that was that had craters in the ground. I bought land on quick claim deeds. I bought land without doing title searches because I, I thought I had the Midas touch. I was like, any piece of land I touch, I'm going to make money with it. I'm buying it at 10 cents on the dollar. What can go wrong? Famous last words. But ultimately, I would say the biggest failure is, you know, that first divorce, which I learned so much from it. I say it's because I was gone all the time. But when I was home, I was also a driver. And I was, I was like, you know, going for that promotion, that next promotion in the military, and then that opportunity to go green to gold. And, you know, I would just go and just, I was so focused and so driven on my goals. The day I would complete the goal, I would have another one lined up and not focusing on my spouse and what her um, goals were as well. Um, so just, just, you know, we got to remember why we do all this. And that's for our families and our wives and our children and our husbands, our spouses. You know, did they ask for that? My children, you know, when they get home at 4 p.m., they're like, Daddy, how much longer? And that's, it's quitting time. You know, that what one more call to them is not going to change their life. Yeah, yeah, I know. When we get bogged down in, in working in the business versus on the business, and I understand there's a certain phase or season, whatever you want to call it, in, in business where you have to get directly involved. Um, I totally relate to what you're saying, you know, especially working from home, right? It, you feel like you're, you're present, but you're physically there, yeah, but you're not mentally, spiritually, emotionally there. <laughs> you know, showing up for dinner is great, but are you distracted by your phone? Are you mm -hmm. still, you know, looking at your, your Apple Watch or whatever it is? Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Especially you and I have, have little ones that are very impressionable. They're getting to the age where... They won't necessarily want to be around us. We're not like super dad uh, for much longer in their eyes. So it's really important, man. Um, so thanks for pointing that out. I want to I want to get into sort of that a little bit, and then we can and then we can start winding down and and, and getting into your one word. But um, in terms of uh, sharing with the audience what they can do for family, like people who have families, people who are running businesses, what would you recommend um, in terms of like creating a happy balance? Yeah, I don't know if there's ever a balance, really. Um, I, I don't know if it's possible. And I think that we have to understand that there's never going to be a balance. And there are seasons for hustle. There are seasons for family. And, you know, when is enough enough? Does the goalpost keep moving? Do you really need that new, shiny, fancy, you know, big house with a pool, um, new, new car? You know, it's, I, I'm, I feel like I'm out of balance 
all the time. And it's almost like that airplane that's flying from South Florida to Washington State. It's out of the entire time. It's pretty much off its target and is constantly being reverted back um, to reach that destination. So, you know, I'm in that right now trying to get that balance. You know, when it's it, all the time, it's like I'll get my physical fitness and the best, like I'll get that dialed in and I'll read, I'll be reading the books and educating and I'll be making all the calls and, you know, doing all the sales appointment and training my team. But then I realize it's, oh man, I didn't leave any time for God or my family this week. And then next week I'll have, you know, my spiritual time and then my family time. And it's like, oh, I haven't been to the gym in three days. So it's just knowing and finding that like what works, you know, you probably heard about the 75 hard challenge. I've tried that twice and I've failed. You know why I quit mm. both times is because I caught myself snapping at my children because I still had to get that second workout in and that's 10 pages and drink that gallon of water and I'm up peeing all night. And, you know, it's just like, mm. it's always finding <laughs> that. This is not, I, entrepreneurship is, is, you know, there's a reason why I have a rhinoceros behind me. It's because mm. it's hard. We're always charging. We got to have three inch thick skin. We're pissing people off. We, we're we're make, like, you know, it's like you try and please everyone, you please none type. So I don't know. I'm always out of balance. I'm probably the worst person to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I had the fortune to, to hang with and um, get some lessons from Randy Zuckerberg, who, who, um, is Mark's sister, and she wrote a book called I think Pick Five or Pick Three. I forget if it's three or five, and it's it's similar to what you're saying there. It's like there's there, there's family, family and friends, and then there's business, and then there's your your health, and then there's all these different things. And it's like when you wake up in the morning, just pick three of those things. It's not always going to be perfect, but in the long haul, there will be an average, right? And you're like, okay, I'm stacking chips on all these things, and that's why I feel healthy and happy, versus like dude, just burning out, man. That's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is like, yeah, you're crushing, you're burning, you're, 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 you're burning the midnight oil and you're seeing results and it's like encouraging you to do more of it. But then eventually if you do that all the time, you're just going to be like, now I need to take three months off. I'm having a mental breakdown, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. Thanks for the vulnerability and the honesty there. So in one word, brother, how do you help people? Confidence. I give them confidence. Yeah, and expand on, on the right. confidence. and So how do I give them confidence? I mean, just one way is just sharing that it's not, you're going to go through a lot of mistakes to get to the success. You're going to have to you know, stack up those small wins to get the ultimate big win. My ultimate big win was I needed to make $4,500 a month. Well, how did I stack up those wins was one, I had to pick a county that I started investing in land. Two, I had to find land that was in demand. Three, I had to mail landowners. Four, I had to communicate with those landowners and get that parcel of land under contract at some type of a discount. And then I had to five, figure out someone that wanted to buy it for a little bit more. So those were all the small wins that equaled that 4,500 a month. And that's what I've, I've built in the Land Sharks program to give people the confidence to take those action steps and be there for them when they hit the roadblocks so they can have that big win, you know, to hit that million dollars a year. Some people have those type goals. You know, they want to make a million dollars in the next 12 months and they hit it. They absolutely hit it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome, brother. So yeah, how can people get a taste of that? Where, where would you recommend they go to find you? Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're looking to have me hold your hand to show you the steps, if this is resonating like, oh my God, this, this is what I've been looking for, head on over to thelandsharks.com, thelandsharks.com. Fill out the application, schedule the call with me and my team, and I'd be honored. To ho- I'd be honored to hold your hand, help you on this journey to build a land business that serves you and your families, and eventually others. I love that. And also check out your show if they want to hear more. They want to hear some case studies. I'm guessing that you guys yeah. talk about some wins there. Oh yeah, um, in your business. So yeah, wholesaling Inc. is the podcast to check out after you hear this episode. But yeah, brother, I appreciate uh, this conversation and getting to know you and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation and relationship, brother. Thanks, Eric. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, And share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. uh, We'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share. Share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. <laughs>